0: leads Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on but there is no
1: return. Hey guys, this is Gabe for our newest sponsor, and this one I'm very fond of because I came up with it. This has been a passion project of mine. Yep, it's an energy drink. Sure, there's a lot of energy drinks out there that taste great, but there's one problem. What is in them? Nobody knows. They're not good for you. Well... That's not a problem with my new energy drink because I make it right in my own garage and you can come over and help. We are 100% transparent about our process. This is how it works. We have an elevated, graded steel platform that you just come over and walk your animal right on top of. Pull the lever and say goodbye and watch a 2,000 pounds of hydraulic pressure come down and humanely eliminate that animal and unleash proteins, vitamins, minerals... All that good stuff that you need to get through your day. Where does it go? It drops into a series of gutters beneath that you get to watch, run down, and end in a one-gallon mason jar. We fill it to the top. I call it dog juice. Dog juice. Man's best friend. Man's best energy drink. Get over here, you mutt guzzlers. This is totally unfiltered, 100% organic, cage-free, and the most humane way, really, to end their life, dog juice. It's the most loyal energy drink on the market, and the only energy drink that has all that good stuff for you to have the energy of a Labrador to take on your day. Come down and get a glass today. Do good. Yo, 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 one time. Yo, you there, Unicorn? Yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome everybody. Episode forty-eight. I didn't know you were in the room. I'm sorry. I don't usually uh, speak ebonics in front of you for a reason. Um, but anyway, uh, welcome uh, everyone to episode forty-eight. Uh, we've we've kind of left you hanging for a few weeks, and it's because we are working on our episode two or, or uh, season two. Fuck, screwed it up. Season two is coming up in two weeks. And we kind of just, we left on a really great episode, I thought, the air marshal episodes. If you haven't checked that out, check that out. And uh, in two weeks, we are going to be back with season two. And we're coming hard. We've been uh, working really hard, and we've got upcoming episodes. We have, like, uh, NFL player, prison guard, hospice nurse, a roadie, a guy who... uh, unfortunately killed someone in a fist fight. I was going to make it like a positive thing because he won the fight, but too emphatically. Yeah. Um, so it was actually a tragedy. He went to jail. And so it's it's a it's an incredible story. And we got a lot more than that. And uh, so this week's episode, we have a Vietnam fighter pilot, which I didn't... I knew they bombed people and stuff, but I, I really didn't know how involved um, our Air Force was. So... This was just a really interesting episode. So really like this guy. uh, um, He says some super funny, sexist stuff, but he's not really saying it for a joke. He's just sexist. (laughs) But in an odd, like, I love this guy. Um, He's a good guy. He's from a different generation. Damn it. He's put his fucking work in. He can be sexist for a podcast. Um, And this guy was truly an elite fighter pilot. He actually went on to teach dogfighting for the military. So that's pretty hardcore shit. Needless to say, he's a, a, a badass. 190 kills in one fucking sortie. Um, and uh, let's see, we are joined by the great Nick Anthony. The good, the, the really good Nick Anthony. Um, he is a comedian, one of the first... I think he's younger than me, but he's one of the first comics who took me on the road because I started late because of heroin. And um, Nick's a, a really funny stand-up comic. He runs a show in L.A. called The Blind Barber uh, with some of his friends, and that's uh, one of the best shows in L.A. Check that out. Um, he writes on The Inspectors. CBS is award-winning, Emmy, Emmy award-winning, The Inspectors. And, uh, yeah, so that's the other voice, and then you'll hear it. You might hear a couple uh, from the gallery column, who's a friend of the show and will probably be in some upcoming episodes, um, is is the other voice that you'll hear from time to time. But he just says things like, yeah, he was drunk, uh, but he's a a friend of ours. So enjoy the episode. If uh, you are making podcasts in the Minneapolis area, check out our social media. We are going to have pictures up. Our, our studio is fucking complete. It is finally complete, or complete enough. So we are renting the space out. Or if you're cool, you can just come use it for free. But you're going to have to pay. So no one's that fucking cool. So uh, check that out. Please donate to our Patreon. With Season 2, the whole reason we took this break is that we want to get into our regular weekly releases. So we're backing up a whole bunch of them every Wednesday we want to drop episodes Um, we're working with this uh, great animator named Doug Kohlberg and uh, we have some really cool shit that's going to be coming out um, and a lot of we've been videotaping a ton of episodes too so there's going to be video so we're really trying to blow it out and this is the year that uh, we become gods what do you think unicorn chocolate unicorn
2: yeah I can feel us ascending yeah yeah we're definitely on the way up I uh, see. No, season two is going to be awesome. We're, yes. we're looking forward to all the stuff we have animations, um, like you said. Patreon. We've got merch coming. Mm-hmm. You got shows. We're going to be. Fargo, I divorced front my
1: wife in episode five. <laughs> yeah, of season two. Spoiler alert. Yep. Spoiler alert. No, <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, not, no I wouldn't divorce her. She'd divorce me. Anyway, but uh, yeah, uh, and we're hitting the road. Even the chocolate unicorns coming with me. Yep. And we're going to where the
2: front street tap room November second eh, through the. No, second and third fargo 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 oh, in real. the
1: thunderdome oh wait the fargo dome fargo dome yeah no yeah, we uh yeah we're I selling g- out the fargo dome ladies and gentlemen i hope you booked the fargo dome <laughs> no we're at yeah front street tap room um are i'm psyched to go to fargo i'm i'm originally from near-ish the area and uh gonna see a lot of people and i hope a lot of listeners come out and uh hell yeah Right? Right. That's good.
2: Stand-up comedy at its finest.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, there's more dates, too, but we're not that prepared. Let's just try to have the one. (laughs) If you guys can make that one, we'll do more. No. But, uh, yeah, there's more stuff, too. We'll be coming out with that season two as well. So, thank you guys very much for listening and everything everyone's done. Please donate to the Patreon. Man, that helps. And uh, you're going to get, we're going to have more cool prizes. (laughs) and i don't know all right enjoy the episode thanks for listening (laughs) on this episode of profession confession when will this come out that was a bad (laughs) (laughs) i actually want to use that for the intro (laughs) do you know when this will no no we uh uh, we have no uh, it should be next week yeah hopefully Cool. Or it will be next week. I mean, hopefully his stories are so fucking intense that we'll <laughs> <It> have to <laughs> rush it out tomorrow. Right? He was taking LSD in the fighter jet, for Christ's <laughs> sake. It should be good. Um, go. <laughs> yeah, on well, this when episode. When you guys were gone, he
0: was talking about nukes. I mean, it was getting nuts. Really?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's, this is, I really, this war is what, on this episode, I'm just going to do the goddamn intro, all right? On this episode of Profession Confession, he was a Vietnam Two, two two-and-a-half tours, should we call it? Yeah, I suppose. His son said three tours. He says two-and-a-half tours. Um, In Vietnam, he was a Marine Corps and Navy fighter pilot. Is that right? Marine
3: Corps. Just remember, the Navy guys always say that the Marine Corps is just a department of the Navy. But guess what, guys? It's the men's department. I've actually never heard that the line. Men's department. Uh, but any, f- anyway, uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> I it. it's. I
1: love it. I
3: love the uh, a, the
1: intermilitary. Yeah. Oh, time. they hate yeah, they
0: good, just yeah. they I, love each other, and I went through a
3: flight training uh, as a cadet and. Uh, Took my commission in the Marine Corps I had the option of being able to do that declare as a marine during the while I was going through training and
1: uh, what year was that? <clears throat> it'
3: was 1959 okay. and uh, I guess the, the easiest way to tell it is that when I go into training there's be Marines there they're training doing training and, and the Navy guys doing the training and the Marines look like this. And the Navy guys, a lot of them look like that. And I thought. The Navy guys have get, a fat ass. You know. and, uh, he's gesturing with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and he's making the Navy guys seem like soft women. No, <laughs> I had some really outstanding Navy guys who were my instructors who were just really good, good men. But uh, I just. Uh, just pussies I, like Marine I, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like Absolutely. the Marine right. Corps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like the guys that were Marines because some of the crap that they pulled in the stories they told and the bullshit that they did yeah know.
1: made it fun yeah, yeah. what what crazy, so i didn't even know that battles. the marine corps had pilots or i, I mean i guess okay. i knew he had like some but yeah, like fighter jets, jets i guess we're, we're i don't know naval
3: naval aviators we, okay. we get the na- same wings that the navy guys get okay and so we go through navy flight training and we you know land on carriers and all that stuff right and uh, but we we get the same na- Navy wings that the naval aviators get, but we are we are in fact titled naval aviators, but we're marines. Right. Okay. Uh, how, how
1: did I, you find your way into it? Were, uh, were you...
3: Simple. I was in college. Uh, uh, I would uh, played ball and in, uh, in uh, football in high school and college, and I'd, it was a local college, two-year school, and I had a the, our. High School coach said, "Hey, you guys can all get scholarships if you go to the college here, so we did, and we had good teams and so we, anyway, I went there and i uh, I played ball there and I, and uh, uh and went well course I went to school and I was in the student union one day in uh, in my second year I was graduating from the junior college, and uh I was in the student union playing hearts, and this guy walks in with uh, <clears> the <throat> Marine walks in there, and he's a recruiter, and he puts up his little stand, you know, and he's got, again, you know, the guy was built like that, you know. Yeah. And and he was a a pretty grim-looking guy, you know, (laughs) a tough-looking dude. (laughs) And he had the wings, and he had these medals from World War II in Korea, and he was a captain, and he he was uh, standing up there. And I started talking to him with this buddy of mine who'd been in Korean War. It was an ex-Marine. That had been in the Korean War, and uh, he was a crazy guy. I I liked him a lot. He was a guy, <laughs> Paul Paul Valentine. He had a lot of crazy stories about the Marines. But anyway, I uh, we walked up and talked to this guy, and he said, "Yeah, he says you can go in the cadet program with two years of college. You can go into cadet program." And I was getting bored stiff with what I was doing in college, so I said, "Well, what the hell, you know?" So I went took the test and uh, passed it, and passed the physical and and the, the, the written test, and And then, uh, so I went into flight school, and uh, again, you went in as a NAVCAD, a Naval Aviation Cadet, and if you graduated and you just went through it, you'd become an ensign in the Navy with the Navy wings. But, you know, I had the option of going, what they said, going Marine or going Navy, you know, so I chose to go Marine.
1: What, what was that? So, that was not wartime technically. I guess Korea no. was. Uh, well, Korea over and there was no war at that time, no. Did you have a lineage of military in your family? You know, yeah. you know
3: I guess what was your attitude toward it before yeah. that? I, I've always been. Uh, you got to remember that everybody back in those days did two years in the military. Everybody. You know, if you were we physically that. capable of Is that a thing? being in the yes, that's true. You, everybody was required. I think you're talking about Israel. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you had to put in two years. What happened normally? Like you get a guy graduated from college, and he'd go in for two years. Uh, uh, he, he would go in for six months for, to get intense, fairly intensive training in the army or the navy or wherever he, wherever he went, and then a uh, year and a half of the reserves. And he so he'd be in the what they called the ready reserves. I think that's what they called it. But you could be called up at any time yeah. to, to go on active duty, and you had that two-year that you had to you owed the country. Everybody had to give two years to the country as a member of the military, and that ended. I think with Jack, Jack Kennedy or somebody. I don't know who did it. But somebody stopped it.
0: Do you remember when the, the draft started then? Cause at that point
3: they had a draft during uh, vietnam but uh, they didn't draft right away they drafted uh, and that start out the army drafted and the navy may have drafted i don't know if they did uh, it wasn't a real naval war but uh, any they, they may have done some drafting but the marine corps didn't draft anybody until near the end, and then they started drafting people, and then we got it got a lot of real eight balls, you know. What? <laughs> oh, I bet. We, yeah, we did. <laughs> you just, you <laughs> just gave me my Maybe. next Maybe. favorite <laughs> insult for the next month. They you being a, a really real eight ball. eight ball. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. I'm going to make a lot of friends here.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. it what? Well, like oh. well, this, we had a military sniper on that was in uh, JSOC, and yeah, he was the same way. He mm-hmm. had love for everybody but his unit was always the best and always yeah. kind of had that same if you could like quantify
0: how much that potentially gets in the way of the actual being effective
3: uh, what, what is the it again inner more? um rivalries yeah it, it, it does not except sometimes it is big time trouble and i give you a perfect example of that it's when uh, cotton-picking Carter <laughs> administration. The peanut farmer? The peanut. Damn peanut farmer. Man, the, the peanut man. Gentle John. When he sent uh, the troops, uh, the uh, action in to try to rescue the people that were hostages in Iran, and um, my uh, brother-in-law was in the Navy uh, and was a submariner, and he was out and got involved in it in some way. But they wound up flying planes that were... More, had Marines flying Navy airplanes, and and then they had the Air Force guys involved, and they had the Army involved. Everybody had a piece of the action, and nobody knew what the hell they were doing, and it was a fiasco. And I knew one of the guys that was a fan of that helicopter squadron that went in there, and he said uh, he got hammered. You know, they gave him hell for uh, for performance but it wasn't his fault it was it was just the, the whole thing it was, it was this it was the same scenario they had with johnson lyndon johnson and that jackass mcnamara that you know we can run the war from the white house and we can do it with numbers and it didn't work which yeah 100%. so
1: uh we were talking before the podcast about this but so there's a there's a documentary called fog of war that i'm really fond of just just because it's it actually just shows just how utterly fucked up, you know, war is and how it's run and, yeah. and stuff like that because McNamara started, uh-huh. you know, the he best would, of like, times.
3: It's bad, but I mean, that was just a complete fiasco. That the way it was run was just yeah. Nuts. Yeah.
1: Was nuts. Were
3: you aware of that
1: when you were in the war? Like, I, I mean, I guess going back to the draft thing that Nick brought up, um, you know, to me, uh, you know, I would think that it wouldn't be great to fight alongside draft guys Necessarily,
3: or or do you feel like they all fell in? I don't know. I never flew. I was never in a squadron with uh, right. anybody who got drafted. They were all volunteers. And The Marine Corps, like I say, Marine Corps was mostly in in the aviation you know business. Right. They were all, nobody was there was drafted. So I right. Know. I suppose some you're of by the yourself, troopers yeah. that we had who were support troops may have been right. But and I know a couple guys. I knew a, a sergeant, an old gunnery sergeant, who had been drafted during Korea and uh he made it up to i think he was a i think he, he was a gunnery sergeant when he retired but he he was a perfectly good guy but uh, you know what most of you, the draftees that we got were people that, that just i mean they were they lowered the they lowered the uh, requirements yeah for them some of them and they, they were not good troops they just weren't yeah. good they weren't good what did you think about it then i guess you know
1: as a guy uh, in the i had to deal
3: with that after uh i got out of the vietnam and up into japan uh we had some uh, young uh marines that uh and i think they were probably draftees types and they were this group of kind of troublemakers that kind of worked their way through the marine corps and they got out you know and we, but anyway we had one of them they were, they were they were going to riot. They were getting up. This guy was up on top of a uh, vehicle and he was talking to a bunch of troops and they're, yeah, yeah, you know, we're all racing hell. I had the duty that night and I went on and I said, you know, what you're doing is uh, punishable by the UCMJ. He said, you guys want to get in trouble, just keep it up. You know, your yeah. best thing for you to do is to get out of here, and go back to your barracks and and do it. And, I, and they did. And my knees were knocking. I was scared shitless. Oh, really? I, I was out there by myself. Yeah, yeah. Doing this, you know, and there was—I had a sergeant with me. But
1: did you believe in the war then? I get, you know, or you know, I oh, guess uh, I'm just trying to figure out what type uh, of guy you were, essentially. Yeah, I. Uh,
3: I just. Was the kind of you'd have to go back in my history. I mean, yeah, and I don't think we don't waste time doing that. And, uh, <laughs> but right. uh, the way I grew up and the kind of people I grew up with and the crazy people that I knew and uh, and there are some real, real wild people I grew up. With. And, <laughs> and uh, anyway, it, I don't want to go into that. But it, it, I the way I was raised and the way I grew up. I felt that I had a duty to my country to do it. You know, I was a Marine. I was a professional. And it was, mine is not to question why. Mine's but to do or die. And I did. we believed that in those days. Yeah. Well, because yeah. of World War II. Because of World War II. And we we really, my generation of the 50s, really admired those people in World War II. Right. I mean, that was a big deal. And As you should. I mean,
0: yeah. they stopped tyranny. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Like, yeah.
3: Absolutely. So I... Uh, uh, that's aware that's where I was growing up from, and I looked at upon this as the expansion of an evil which was communism at the mm-hmm. time and uh and that we needed to fight it but the, my big complaint about it was and it was grousing you know Marines are always grousing or complaining about sure. but i com- I complained about uh, that and when so did everybody else that there was uh, the idea of running the war from the white House and you know just screwing things up royally, just doing stupid, stupid things you know and, uh,
1: what are what are examples, you know, of that, I guess? Oh,
3: the it, 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 rules of engagement is always the one it, Okay, it bugs the hell out of somebody in the combat situation. And basically, uh, for instance, I, I think I gave you the example of a helicopter escort flight where you would fly a, a, a kind of a racetrack pattern around the helicopters. So you'd always have somebody diving in where they were so that if they were taking fire from somebody you could just roll in on that thing and let them have it you know uh-huh. and if the helicopter guy saw something he would uh you know if he said we're taking fire from that house over there you know and they'd fire a rocket over there or such one of the attack helicopters would shoot something so the over.
0: helicopter would be going like this and then you'd be flying around yeah
3: well actually we flew a a uh elevated racetrack pattern around like where one end of the racetrack is higher than the the helicopters are flying along and you're just flying down to front in front of them pulling back up high and come back down then you had four four airplanes doing that and so one guy would always be in a position to shoot wow so how many planes or actually what plane did you fly like at that at that point i was i flew the a4 i flew several different airplanes I always tell people I flew a lot of different airplanes because the Marine Corps kept trying to find one I could actually fly. And my 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 last joke on me, I tell it so somebody doesn't say it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is uh, I wound up uh, in uh, RF fours uh, reconnaissance, which is the Phantom, but it was a photo reconnaissance version which didn't have any guns or bombs, it just had a camera. So I had no guns, no bombs. I couldn't hurt anybody. They figured yeah. that, that's where you <laughs> want to put it. You know? yeah. So you can't hurt anybody. We were in Northern Vietnam and we would fly, there were missions up into uh, the place called Vin, which is up just up across the border. And we would fly that far north, you know, a few, I forget how far it was north of the border, but we would fly up there and and uh, attack targets up there, but uh, in North Vietnam. But uh, basically, uh, I did one story about it was that we <laughs> flew so many missions against them. One day they ran out of ammunition; they couldn't shoot at us anymore. <laughs> so it was a kind of funny. Thing. How did they shoot at you? Was like, ground I mean, fire? Yeah. Okay, ground fire. And it was yeah. quite. It was one of those things where. Uh, It's not easy to hit an airplane, obviously, but, Uh you know, they they would be down there and they'd have somebody shooting at the airplane who knew what he was doing, and they'd have every Tom, Dick, and Harry that had a pistol or a rifle or anything he could shoot would be shooting in the same, along with him, you know? Right. And that's effective at low altitude. So if you get down low enough in that environment... It was dangerous. Yeah. You're you're going to get hit, isn't it? Did your plane get hit then? Like, I mean, would you
1: hear the bullets... Mm -hmm.
3: I been. My or? airplane had been hit. Yes, and on occasion, not very often. Huh? It was not a common occurrence. Did, it so
0: it they hit. didn't have uh, their own air, air force? force. They had an air force. V- yes. v- the yeah. Viet Cong.
3: The, the not the Viet Cong. The North Vietnamese had North an air v- force v- uh. out of uh, uh, Hanoi. There were they sophisticated? Were they? I mean, was this a? Yeah, they were very smart. They were Russians. The Russians flying the airplanes on occasion, and then they they had their own outfit though. They had a, a, a pretty good. Uh, um, uh, a pretty good group, and I talked to some of my Navy buddies uh, about this uh, and uh, that flew up in there and uh, there was a Colonel Vin who was a very smart cookie, and one of my buddies was flying along above flying along above an overcast, and they were he and his buddy were in this what they call what we call a loose deuce formation which is means they in the, in World War 2 and other times they hit they would fly these finger four formations where you'd be right on the wing and basically yeah. we just figured out when you know that's not real smart because you're wasting this guy all he's doing is covering your tail he isn't doing anything else but if he moves out here if he moves out here a wider. beam of you wider sure. and one turn radius away from you then he can see behind you. You can see behind him away. You can see way behind yeah. each other. And you fly along, and you learn how to make turns so that you wind up here or you're going a 180, you know, you, you turn. I can't remember exactly how we did it, but you, there was a whole bunch of ways to do all these uh, turns and things so that you could operate in the combat situation. And then what you did was basically you watched each other's tail to make sure nobody was sneaking up behind you. And then if you saw somebody you were going to dive on, you'd dive on him like this and come in. And if the guy turned this way, then this guy would break off and this guy would be right on his tail. If he turned the other way, this guy would be too acute. You, you know, Eventually, right. the guy's turning into him, so he can't track him. So he just goes high, called a high yo-yo. And the other guy just got him locked on. So yeah. it was a great way to uh, operate and he was in this formation above a cloud and this the ground radar f- saw these guys and they sent this guy up behind one of them and was not my friend the other guy he just popped up out of the clouds and shot this guy with a rocket you know a atoll missile and he shot him and it went right back down the clouds and so my buddy couldn't react couldn't get him because he was down in the clouds, and he would shot his buddy down, and the guy, the guy went in. So they they weren't dumb, you know? right? Yeah. They were they. Were, they so were was so, yeah. sophisticated. Did you ever get in a dogfight then? Uh, not over I mean, there. Right. No, no, okay. No, no, not, not, not over there. Combat. No. I taught that stuff. I taught it uh, before I went over at this um, mm-hmm. Mawtu that I was talking about, the Marine Air Weapons Training Unit, which was the Marine Corps top gun school. And uh, when did that start? Uh, at the Mottu, I think, started about 1960. Are you Tom Cruise? No, no. no Are no. you the I'm, basis no. of that? Tom <laughs> is, this isn't uh, Tom Gun. Uh, <laughs> but we we, we taught uh, air to ground, and I taught. Uh, I got went down to uh, Beaufort, South Carolina, and checked out in the F eight Crusader with the squadron at 235, VMF 235 down there, and uh, we uh, I went through the Nate. Um, name old you know where you go through the little trainer sure. and then you go out and fly with these guys and and then we used to complex and
1: how did you learn how to do dog fights guy. and or you know we, to teach it if you never did it
3: well i did it all the time you oh know, you, you know, we, yeah we, you did the dog fighting with your buddies you know you're okay. fighting against your buddy so okay. you go up and you know you start out and normally what you do is you climb up as high as your airplane will go pretty much and then you separate and then you turn in to each other, and you call, roll in now, and you turn in, and then you pass each other, going as fast as you can go. And as soon as you pass each other, the fight's on. So you try to nip a little of his tail when you go by. You try to get as close as you can oh, to What it. do you mean by that? <laughs> you don't, so you don't, you're not, not going to hit him You guys are playing but. chicken in Yeah, yeah exactly, it, pretty much. And that gives you a little angle. So then you yo-yo, and he yo-yos, and you turn around, and you come back, and the next time you, you pass him. Honestly,
0: they, in your brain we good enough at flying that you could just
3: clip a plane. Well, no, you wouldn't clip it. You know what I mean. You yeah. you get a little more angle than he did. Gotcha. Okay? So you, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just yeah, trying to you, g- you're just trying to get a little closer. Yeah, to, you know, yeah, like, yeah, Anyway, you'd go up and come back down, and you'd be have a little angle the next time you passed him. Yeah. <clears throat> and there were all kinds of little tricks you could do, like if you pass him the first time, he would yo-yo, and you just smoked as fast as you could. If you had afterburner, you'd be an afterburner, go way down here. And go just faster than the the speed of heat, you know, and then turn around and come back up. And he's looking for you up here, you know, and all of a sudden you're coming uphill. And then when you turn with him and he sees you and he turns into you, you not only have an angle on him, but you also have gravity helping you turn tighter than he can. So you... And you got a big advantage. God, it's fun.
1: it's so like complex did, to even think of what he knows about. So, did, it, did anybody like were there crashes?
3: Were the was that a common thing to have? Two well, guys go up there and crash. <clears throat> it was in uh, Vietnam or in no, dog I'm fight? talking it's, about like in the dog trainings, yeah, yeah. dogfight training. Yeah, it was. Uh, it happened. But uh, and then and like I say, back in the '50s, uh, they the Marine Corps had the first quote Top Gun school at El Centro in California, and they. Uh, broke so many airplanes uh, f8s and these things are million dollar airplanes and back in the 50s that's a lot of money yeah. Marine Corps said hey yeah, yeah, that's enough of that but these guys are just out there having fun and they're breaking up the airplanes and killing each other so let's stop this you know you know it's cost too much money we don't care about them we can always train you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> some replace. other dumb asshole okay, let go out there and do it but uh, you know we're not worried about them we're at the airplanes anyway how do you break a plane?
1: Like, I mean, what happens specifically in a tight turn or whatever? Like, what breaks up
3: or what? Oh, uh, nothing breaks. What happens is, well, you could. You can pull enough Gs to pull the wings off the airplane. But nobody could. You'd pass out before mm. that happened in most of the airplanes that were built in those days. So what happens is, uh, usually I got a good story. Uh, this is one of my student stories. Uh, I had a guy that, a uh, uh, young kid, and he would, he was just, A terror, man. He really wanted to do this fight. He was a student, you know. He was, he really, he knew that if he pointed that airplane at me and he'd stick his nose down and he could pull seven G's, you know, and grunt and the G suit would give him, help him out, you know, and he'd pull all these G's and and you'd wind up working your ass off trying to teach this kid something, you know. And so I had this guy up on the perch and he rolls in on me. And I turn into him. I say, well, what you do is say, I'm going to start a shallow turn into you because I see you back there. And as you get closer to me, I'm going to roll it in, really wrap it up so you can't get your nose out here and track me with bullets. So you couldn't hit me. Couldn't get your sight on me. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> he yanks it and yanks it, and and he's just he he's going to overshoot, and he knows it, but he's still yanking that damn thing. And so the airplane is going... And what it gets into what they call a post stall, I'm seeing. Post stall pre spin <laughs> gyration. So what happens is it means the airplane is stalled because you pull so many G's that the airflow over the wing is going to, you know, cause you to, you know, get some violent maneuver here. So the damn airplane's up here trying to swap ends and it's and he's going downhill, and I I. Look at him, and I know what happened. It, what they call, broke. The airplane broke. It just stopped flying. Right. Yeah. And, and started falling. It started it's just looking like a... stall. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's not yet spinning because it's going too fast, so it's not in a spin yet. So I call it a post-stall pre-spin gyration. And it's just going action. And I told him, I said, let go of the stick. Let go of the stick. Let go of the stick. <laughs> pull the power back. Pull the power back. pull power Put the speed brakes out. Put the speed brakes out. Put the speed and is this a time when you're <clears throat> calm? Are yeah, you calmly I, giving us well, advice? Yeah, oh yeah, because I'm, I'm, it's not me it's going to be. <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> so then I'm, following, I'm following him down, and sure enough, the airplane, what happens is if you let go of the damn thing, that it was, it was Chuck Yeager's big secret. I was going to ask All these Chuck top Yager, yeah. gun guys, all these uh, highly educated test pilots they had out there would go up, into this uh, extra, uh, you know, out of the atmosphere and come back down in sideways, and the airplane starts doing all these wild maneuvers, and these guys are up there trying to fly it, you know, trying to get control of it. And <laughs> Yeager's attitude, I think, that I understood. And I, he, did, he never told me this, but, but I, I heard that. What he did was just, he just let go of it. Guess what, gang? It, an airplane like that is like a dart, Right. If you take a dart and you throw the damn thing backwards, sooner or later the thing is going to go pointy. It's going to figure it out. It's going to go pointy in first, and that's basically what you do. Huh. You, let, you let go until the damn thing goes pointy in
0: first. <laughs> There's some wisdom just <laughs> yeah. li- about and and life you, in there. And then
3: you just start grab a hold of it and say, "Oh yeah, here we go." Yeah, you know, but, but as flying. as
2: a training pilot, that probably goes against every oh, instinct hell, in Oh he had body. no idea. You know, just he let go he of didn't know.
3: But I got him to let go of it, and he did let go. Finally, the airplane starts, you know. Screwing around, and finally it gets pointy in first, and he, I should take control of it, pull it out. He got out. I think he started recovering about ten thousand. He got out. I think he got out about six, five or six thousand feet. He was level, leveled off, and so we went back to the. He didn't want to do anything after that, so we flew <laughs> back. Take the <laughs> no, the we, no. we flew back to the base and landed. <laughs> I'm go at, up at in Kingsville, bags. Texas, down there, and, and he walks in the in the line shack where you sign your airplane off, you know, and it, the, all of these sign-off sheets are the same for all different kinds of airplanes. I mean, uh, it's the same sheet. So, so a multi-engine aircraft, you'd have a first pilot, so you'd have first pilot time, then you'd have second pilot time, which is co-pilot and then you'd have special, maybe special crew somebody who was getting flight time to keep getting his flight pay you know he had to go so he was just sitting there but he was getting special crew time and so he starts filling this damn thing out and it was a 1.0 flight time we got about 1 hour of flight time or something well, I forget now exactly what it was anyway he puts down first pilot he puts down 1.0 which is fighter plane there's only one pilot in the damn thing so it's yeah going to be first pilot right so he signs at 1.0 on the first pilot and i look over his shoulder and i said hey asshole and he said you got 0.8 first pilot time and 0.2 special crew you were just <laughs> hanging on to that damn thing you weren't flying it. you were just you were just riding. You were just along for the ride. <laughs> Do you have to have some you crazy in you to,
0: to, to get into the just generally to be a, a pilot at, at this level?
3: Uh, when you get into um, doing stuff like that, that uh, it can get really wild. I mean, the air to air. We used to have, a the, in training, we had a what we call a thousand foot, uh, uh, so not ceiling, a thousand foot floor. So if you went, or 10,000 foot floor. So if your airplane went below 10,000 feet during the dogfight, then they called off, you know, and you'd go back, climb back up again. Well, we usually used 10,000 feet as the upper limit instead of the door. And we used to chase these guys off of oil rigs out in West Texas there, you know, we'd be, I mean. Really? Oh, shit, I mean, we'd be down there, you know, right in the sand, you know. It was, it was fun how I mean, close do you think you've ever had a, a, a lot plane of people to the ground a lot of people get uh, very close uh, 50 feet straight. really <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <That> <laughs> going how fast well, we, used to, we used to fly uh low-level nav flights were like nuclear weapons you're you going to go to a nuclear target so your practice was to fly along like that with a, with a practice bomb but you'd fly along at 50 feet that was the flight level and you'd be going at because that's beneath radar, essentially. That's exactly right. That's what okay. you're trying to do, is stay low, slow, and slow. So you start out, maybe you'd have a high, low, high. or So you go high, then you go low as you approach the enemy coast or something. You go low, and then you go to your target and do your idiot loop. And then you'd come back low and then climb up again so
0: so explain you were talking about this a little before the idiot loop was this idea that you're yeah you
3: deliver you could deliver a nuclear weapon with a fighter plane type of plane and what you do is that that the bomb is on the bottom of course the center of the airplane and you got a couple of wing tanks probably anyway you're tooling along here and you come up and what you do is you have a target you have a target out here and you line up, you have an IP on a map. You say, you read the map and say, okay, that looks like a good point I can recognize. And this looks like a good point. So you line yourself up at those two points. And then at the second point, that's your pull-up point. Let's say you can you, know, and you, you can do it with time. You can say, oh, I hit that point and count 10. No, no, pull up, but whatever. The, that gets you lined up with the target. Okay, then you pull up and uh the bomb you do the so-called idiot loop where you pull up into a half cube and eight you pull up like this a loop to loop as we call it and yeah and, yeah you're, you're doing a half cuban eight and yeah, yeah. yeah come out the back there but anyway the bomb comes off at some point here it's as programmed,
1: like as you're flying straight up the bomb yeah. falls off yeah well, like at some
3: point they have figured out what angle it should come off at, okay that's when it comes off and uh you can get fairly accurate with that damn thing i got a I got a top Gun award for that program, nuclear weapons, and it was uh, uh, I had a 600-foot hit on a compact. and that is so damn 600 close. feet: and I had a, I had within 600 feet of within the... 600 feet of the target, and that was just going out there and doing it. I'd go out and do practices, and we had guys when well, we were getting, you know 120-foot averages, I mean. You could get really good at that. So you you, doing. you
0: were doing you were testing nukes,
3: not nuclear weapons. They were practice. Fighting. Gotcha. Yeah,
0: but but for the idea that in that's, theory that was the that's delivery. how you would. Yeah, yeah, you every, would yeah.
3: everybody was training to be able to do that. And yeah. when you went overseas, you flew in a squadron that had that capability, and you had targets.
0: Is the thinking with that? You know this this technique because if you were flying over it, if you dropped it, it would.
3: You didn't have a site that would do that. And that this was the best way for you to deliver To the slow thing. down the plane, to, essentially. They, they call right? it weapons delivery. It means they're dropping bombs. Yeah. 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 Did that. you ever fly with a live nuke? Uh, no, but I've flown with the OST weapons, which is what they call uh, weapons that are the nuke with no nuke. It's gotcha. got high explosive but no nuke. And you do that so that it tests everybody in the outfit to see that they load the prop weapon properly. And it, uh, it's very complicated. Loading it is a big, complicated program. And to make sure that's done right and all the wiring is right and that everybody did their job right. So you, you, When the bomb goes off, it, instead of being a nuke, it's just a, a big 500-pound uh, bomb.
0: So you dropped bombs in Vietnam yep. on
1: people. Yeah. What did that feel like?
3: Do you remember the first time? Here's the thing you got to remember. There's no feeling about it. You got, I'm up here, and somebody said, "Hey, launch these guys over here because we got marines and under fire out here. They're being blocked by somebody, or send these guys in there. They tell you to nape something, or drop a bomb on it, or shoot it up, or rock shoot rockets at it, whatever your weapon is. You go out there and you do it, not." you don't give a shit about this my marines are being shot at by these goddamn people no absolutely i'm gonna shoot them i don't give a crats rats ass about who. you didn't lay though
1: you know in your bunk ever just kind of going like god i wonder who you know i mean just kind of letting your mind go
3: there at all no we used to come back and say hey did you hear what happened today we went out and uh, the grunts went into the village and they counted you know 190 kbas man i yeah, uh, and 190. I didn't write it in my logbook or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, you know what I mean. KBA is is killed, killed by, by the... aircraft. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know that, and then one of the, one of the, one of the funny, not funny, but one of the neat. It's all right. There's dark <laughs> humor yeah. We're, were, yeah, uh, yeah. were uh, up near the uh, near the, an uh, I Corps up near the border, and with North Vietnam, and uh, there's some Marines that were in contact with some, gooners, and they had. Uh, this Air Force FAC is there. And this is the first time we had ever gotten these new weapons. There were two big pods of high pegs, a huge high peg, 6,000 rounds of 20 millimeter a minute. 6,000 rounds a minute. Up, and we had Jesus. 750 <laughs> rounds a minute coming out of the two regular 50s we had. So it was something like 150 rounds a second was coming out of this thing. Anyway, we were, he says... These guys ran into that little swale down there. See where those trees and all those bushes and things are down in there? I'm rolling around. Say, yeah, yeah, I got it. You know. So he says, well, that's where they are rolling on. Them. So I rolled in and pull it up. And when you fire the the regular guns, what you did was when you pulled the trigger, you push forward on the stick a little bit, so that the bullets would go in you know, one place. You could know, they'd stay in one area. Mm-hmm. One area. And with the high peg being on the wing like that it would actually tuck the nose a little bit when they fired it because yeah. it was putting out so many rounds a minute you know and so you didn't have to do that so but i remember rolling on that thing and that swale there and that those bushes and these guys were all down in there and we opened up on that damn thing and it just disappeared in the dust i mean it those, I mean, no, that 20 millimeter. You know, it's about that yeah. big around. Yeah. So that's a it,
1: bullet the size of a super ball or whatever. Well, it's of, about whatever. about it's about that big around, and
3: yeah. it, and it's uh, high explosives. Or every fourth round was a high explosive. Oh. And there were tracers, and you after after a while you get to ask for hey the hell with the tracers just give me the H E or give me, you know, armor piercing or whatever you're shooting at. But anyway, rolled in and this thing just literally disappeared you know i pulled up you know in a a, just a big puff of dust and smoke and shit (laughs) so i i pulled off the target and this air force guy goes jesus christ what the hell are you got in that thing and i we told him hey it's a new that's a new uh, Hughes' high peg, you know, he says, Man, that thing's really slick. You know? <laughs> Ooh, so that's sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm the, worst the last episode I don't, he's, uh, I don't want the, the priest,
0: priest to get <laughs> after me here. <laughs> sorry. Mm. I bring up my own and put it up
1: here. Oh, here I this. So, so, and, and, and <laughs> I'm not... Uh, uh, I am, a, I am uh, speaking here. to my own... Um, um, sorry, bud. I'm a neurotic guy, I guess. Uh-huh. And I've acted on a lot of shit. And done things in my life and and I you know I'm a guilt-based person so yeah. I, I'm always amazed when people sort of are able to compartmentalize that was there ever a period in your life where you struggled with it as an no. older man ever no, no. always just no, no, no.
0: <laughs> I love it so you 50 like, you said no. you went to tr- you were being trained in 59 yeah mm-hmm. and then when was the first time you were dropping bombs in Vietnam
3: oh uh, 66. Oh, so – and then did it – It was right after the beginning of the war. So war started in 65, I think, and it was over there and six months, eight months later. Did you see other pilots
1: struggle with it? No. Or would you say that was not common? Not in the it's Marines. I mean, yeah. I, they
3: may have, you know, they may, but it was on their own. Nobody ever said anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Can I
0: – a strategic question, because there's something a little – the distance has to be part of that. Yeah. Like you, you're not yeah I,
3: if i was on the ground exactly See in shooting face. Somebody yeah. in the nose i'd probably i'd probably I, one of the <laughs> I, somebody brought this
0: up to me as like a conspiracy theory and i'm not yeah i don't get into that stuff ever yeah. but it was an interesting question about world war ii in the pacific uh-huh. that the japanese didn't have that many aircraft carriers mm-hmm. and but that we destroyed most of them yeah, yeah we had, yeah. they only had like one or two left at certain uh-huh. points and why did we keep sending ground troops in? Why didn't we just do more of an air barrage? I guess the question too in Vietnam: Why wouldn't like? It seems like there's so many on the troop on the on the. They they've
3: that that uh, argument has been made many times, like World War II, whether we're going to win the war with bombs and all. It didn't doesn't work. And and I guess the question is why doesn't that? It work? It doesn't work because the people dig in. I mean, if you if you're talking about hey, there's Japanese on this island, well. Why did we take the island? Generally speaking, it was to put an air base there, you know, an force base, so they could bomb Japan. So that's what basically we were doing, like especially Iwo Jima, places like that. So you couldn't really do that, and they were, they were dug into caves, and you couldn't bomb them out. You couldn't, couldn't use aircraft to destroy them. You had to, you had to be a combination of both. Yeah. Things. What was you the know?
1: most scared that you ever were? Um, in your plane, let's say in Vietnam for right now to start with? Was there ever a moment where you thought, holy shit, this is uh, whatever, this is it?
3: No, you just don't think about things like that. Uh, I, uh, you know, that kind of stuff never bothered me. You know, it's funny, though, once I came back. What a fucking man. (laughs) (laughs) Was was there at least like a time (laughs) where your plane took? This guy's mustache uh, cuts itself. (laughs) You You want scared? I'll tell you, scared. Night carrier landings. You want to be, you want to... There's an old story about the night carrier landing, and that is that <laughs> daytime gets to be fun. I enjoy daytime ops off of carriers, and it's just pretty straightforward. And uh, even pitching decks and things like that, not, you know, they're troublesome, but not that bad. But nighttime carrier operations, there's an old story that if, you tried to take – a guy's done a night carrier landing, and you tried to drive a needle up his ass with a sledgehammer, and you couldn't do it. <laughs> okay? That's I mean, a night carrier So landing. to land
0: a, a plane on an aircraft carrier, describe the difference between like how short that is compared to –
4: Well, a
3: regular runway, yeah. It's uh, – you know, they're bigger and bigger and bigger. The, the original aircraft carriers I flew off of uh, – and uh, the first one I, I operated off of was the Antietam. And the Antietam still had what they call hydraulic catapults. And the steam catapult, when you have a steam catapult, the steam builds up and it accelerates you to the end of the ship and you take the wow. fly With a hydraulic catapult, the damn thing, <laughs> you have your speed, the speed you would have at the end of that ship <laughs> now yeah. and it decelerates to yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of the ship okay so that's basically the difference. and uh that the deck was small and it was uh you know it was not a big deck and uh, it was a lot of work and then i went to, I, the first uh big carrier i went off of was the constellation out of we were out of japan flying out of japan and Akani was uh, had airplanes parked in the landing area, what the hell's going on here? there were airplanes lined up here and we were landing here and i was thinking holy shit, this is a big aircraft here you know so and they've they, gotten bigger they and, catch uh, you with
0: the like there's a core
3: the tail something? hook or whatever yeah. right tail- yeah, you, you have a tail hook on your airplane and then they have a what they call a cross-deck pendant but basically it's a wire about that big around you know and it's uh Size a of a braided and wire, and they have those at, at, at uh, they have a one wire, two wire, three wire, four wire, five wire, six wire, I think it is, and I don't know how many after something after four, I don't know what it is, but anyway, um, a lot of times they only have a few of them, maybe two or three of them, you know, and but they'll always have a three wire and uh, and because that's the best, that's the target wire. So if you get a perfect landing it's called a, the guy will sign it up and say okay three means you know he that flew a perfect pass and hit th- number three wire with his tail hook. you know yeah his, uh, and, okay and
2: when you said that like the obviously landing at night is harder because they it's like it's all lights off like what do you, you see when you come see. down like well what do you is there any like
3: they they do it differently now and, and they changed it a little bit but when I did it uh, they they had uh, red everything was red you had red lights you had to have red lights in the ready room and you'd go up and you had uh, uh, lights uh, uh, you know I, I think there was red flood lighting or something but anyway when you when they fired you off the ship what the deal was you put the power up and then you I've got all kinds of stories about this kind of shit I don't know if you want to listen to them or not but, but uh. The, uh, my first night carrier land uh, catapult shot was he signaled the other guy to launch, and they launched me. Oh, shit. Yeah, and, I, and he just turned me up. <laughs> I just got the power. He gave you the signal to turn up, you know. Yep. So I put the throttle up and got a hold of hold the back so that the hold back is so you can grip it so that the throttle doesn't come back when you get shot off the carrier, you know. So what you do is then you, you push it up like that, and then you put your hand in your crotch like that because the stick's going to come back toward you and you just grab it once you're airborne. Anyway, I'm sitting there 100% and it's a night carrier line, my first night carrier launch, And you're supposed to be looking at your gauges, you know, to see if there's anything wrong or is okay. <laughs> and of course, I got the 1,000-yard stare at the, the instrument panel. I'm looking at something 1,000 yards down the road, you know, thinking, and all of a sudden, kaboom, I'm airborne, you know. And uh, holy shit, what happened? And he had just launched the wrong airplane. And uh, Unbelievable. I, I got finally got it. undiscombobulated uh, it about you know, I don't know how high I was. Got, got turned down when and came back in and made the landing. Came back in, uh, I made my series of landings and cat shots and, and came back in and went down <coughs> to get something to eat in <laughs> a mess hall. And he's down there and he waves at me and says, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> And I, you know, I, so you I, walk over I, there I didn't know whether they're to whether <laughs> they, they, yeah. they kill him or or, or just <laughs> laugh about it. So I just laughed about it. How did you find? So you did Top Gun school. They asked you to be an instructor I did, after my first tour. I came back. I had a guy in the squadron who had been a, an instructor there, and he he went back to it, took me with him, and then he left shortly thereafter. And but he, he recommended me for it. I I had done had I'd, I'd gotten lucky uh, during some. Some exercise and things and done very well. I just lucked out in it, and I, and I had good I had good averages. So. What is it
1: that you did well particularly, or like you know, was well, there
3: one facet of it that you felt like you did? Well, best? no, I was just, yeah, yeah the dive I had at a, a at one time I had an eight foot CEP for dive bombing. Okay, I, I'm well, impressed. At, at, but the, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's yeah. mean, oh, eight foot. Yeah, if, huh? I dropped, if you were out there standing on top of a tank, mm-hmm. I would. Hit my average was that I got bullseyes and I got ten footers and twenty footers and fifteen footers, but a lot of bullseyes. I and mean, but the average was eight feet at one point. Within yeah. what is the you most? Know, that meant it that the CEP was a center error probability, and that meant that if you were standing on that tank, that the odds were that I was going to drop a bomb eight feet from you. Right. Okay. Yeah now it's not going to be comfortable for is there one, you you gotta run fast it, yeah. is there
1: one um one shot one bomb drop whatever in in actual war that you were particularly proud of or uh
3: yeah we, one day a friend of mine and i went out uh and i was senior to him but i gave him the lead and uh, he uh we went out and we uh uh, uh just for his own experience and uh we got 190 KBAs and with uh, he had we had two two thousand pound bombs and so uh, three is, napalm bombs. And so and this is one trip. No, yeah, in one trip we we how the, we many people we killed? We killed uh, in one trip almost 200 people. 190 KBAs.
2: And who's responsible for going and counting
3: all this? Yeah, how does that? All the, like the does like, we got to interview the, that guy. Do you, <laughs> the grunts, do you, do you the drop grunts. a bomb and yeah, let like, Jimmy go out there? No, the grunts go in when they take the whatever it is objective yeah. whatever it happens to be they go in and they count the enemy dead and then you know and, and, and it's kind of funny because there was always a deal between the army and the marine corps because the army always said oh we had this many kba's and all i said the marine corps kba's were always a lot lower and that was because we didn't you know we counted you know, you on. one head you know <clears throat> two hands you know two arms two legs you know that was one person person, you know we didn't stretch that shit and we they they accused the army of doing that i don't know if they did it. did you
0: i'm sorry did your opinion change you said the the multiple tours like as the war got deeper in Mm -hmm. and as the it got more politicized and and america's opinion towards this war changed Mm -hmm. did your opinion towards your job change
3: no, uh, not uh, – my only opinion – the only thing that changed with me was the same. I had the same opinion of the people who were running it. I didn't like them. I yeah. thought they, they were dumb. The guy was a jerk.
1: So you killed 190 <clears> – <throat> and that's from the guy who killed 190 yeah. people. in one <laughs> <laughs> fucking. The, well, no, it
3: <laughs> wasn't just me. It was the other guy too. Yeah, you know? yeah. But <laughs> I didn't but, do that alone.
1: But seriously, how do you – like? Can you imagine the feeling of going, killing 190 people and then coming home and fucking some hot Vietnamese prostitute? That'd be the greatest oh, day in the I, world. What <laughs> no, a rush. I, I never. Uh, well, Yeah, I suppose. It, I mean, Sex we'll get to that. Show. But It, it is, a, like, really, the Vietnam, uh, like at least how it's represented in movies. We grew up in the 80s, so, of course, those Vietnam movies were just, you know, all over the place. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they really... It's like the last of the party wars, <laughs> you know. Like, like they really did, as brutal as it was. Just all the, uh, I mean, like, I mean, you'd go into town and drink.
3: You know, there's no town in July. Okay, just base. There was no town. There was just the base. Uh, I gotta tell you a, a, a neat, a neat story about that July. Was a, it was a Sats field. It's it's which meant it was like an aircraft carrier. Yeah. We, we uh, this good friend of mine uh, named John Cook, and John was a uh, you know, one of these guys, you know, he was a, and a very handsome guy, really, real nice, like so, me. Real nice. yeah, exactly, <laughs> real nice, real, real good guy, you know, just a hell of a guy. Hardly, didn't that's, say that's much. not so much, never, you. never <laughs> said <laughs> much. Right? The guy hardly ever we talked. Ways, yeah. But anyway, we went out one night and we, we'd fly over in the mountains of uh, on the Ho Chi Minh Trail and we'd fly down off a of radar or uh, a TACAN site and fly down below the clouds and then we see the the uh, air force FAC out there and they had a c-130 and he was dropping flares and stuff like that and calling us in on the targets on the ho chi minh trail there and so we do this there are only four of us in the squadron that did this uh, the more senior P- P- guys that had more experience and john and i were two of those guys and we go over there at night and do those night bombs and it was interesting because it's very vertigo inducing you know what vertigo is mm-hmm. okay anyway uh what you do is you fly around it's your target and you're looking for something about 30 degrees angle off from you. And then you're going to roll in on a certain heading, roll the thing up like that and down. You pull it down to get the target or your pipper near, below the target and walk it up. And you're doing this visually. And then you pickle your bomb on the target or fire your rocket or whatever your weapon is. Pull off the damn thing. And now you're pulling four Gs and it's Blacker than the inside of a cow outside, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're pulling the thing up, and you're pulling all these G's, and you get to 7,000 feet above the target level, and you roll it so the nose will fall through, and you level off at 7,000 feet. Now, that is vertigo-inducing as hell. Mm-hmm. If you make the mistake of looking out when you shouldn't look out, or looking in when you shouldn't look in, you're going to get vertigo, and uh, it was neat but old john and i would do this and uh, one of our buddies in another squadron had been killed the day before uh, in a form trying to you know fly formation back home with his buddy and he overshot and hit the guy you know and, really and, yeah he was killed and the other guy li- lived and got back to the field but anyway john and i were coming back and i had this guy at the end of the runway at what we call the initial point, like you're going to land here on the runway, and there's a so you line yourself up out here and come over the field. And so we had this guy out there shooting at it, planes with a, I don't know what the hell, kind of big Russian machine gun mm-hmm. shooting at it. And so John says, you know, why don't we get that bastard? I'll tell you what. One of us will fly over this the initial with the lights on. Well, no, normally at night you had no lights mm-hmm. on. Well, if you like turn your lights on bright and flashing, and he, and fly over the this pre the initial point, you know, and this guy's gonna say, oh shit, look at that, you know, and he's gonna mm-hmm. start shooting, and he says, I'll be behind you, or you know, the guy, whoever, yeah, is be behind you, and I'll just roll in on that bastard, sure. You know, have it. <clears throat> so I said, sounds like a hell of a good good idea, but how about you doing, that? Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> I you don't know, want to be sky. the one with the lights <laughs> and, on, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> We flip a coin, and uh, and uh, of course I lose, and I have to fly over the damn thing with my lights on right now. But anyway, we did this, and John popped him pretty good got rid of him, but how, that was a, a good were, deal.
1: How did those bullets hit your – you know, like what was the experience being in the plane when machine gun fire hits your – your plane, I you guess. You don't even
3: I didn't even know it. I wouldn't know it unless it hit me, you know. Okay. Basically you you don't you It know, wasn't like a movie where you hear <coughs> ding, yeah, ding, yeah. or whatever. <coughs> no, you got your headset on. And that on was a bad Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear that wasn't, yeah. <coughs> you got your uh, you've got your helmet on, you can't hear shit from outside, you know, you just hear Okay. What comes over the microphone? And you can hear the engines, of course, you know, you can hear loud noises. But um, yeah, occasionally, very occasionally, you'd get hit with something. So it's the but type of thing like fast.
0: once you landed, you'd inspect the plane and see. No, I don't know. went to the bar.
3: Oh, <laughs> actually, when I was in country, I did not drink. I never, I didn't touch a drop of booze when I was in country, ever. Cause I in just, country means their country, in, China, or yeah, in, in their country. Yeah. Okay. So I, I figured you know the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to get shot down and be coming down in a parachute with a fucking hangover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine yeah. how bad that was? <laughs> yeah. Did you think about,
1: because it seems like we had air superiority pretty strongly there, I guess. At South, yeah. Of yeah, course. yeah. Mm-hmm. So so were you worried about being shot down? I mean, was it a real concern
3: or was yeah, it? Well, yeah, they, the, there was heavy ground fire. I mean, yeah. you know, Those people, like I say, they get somebody who knew what he was doing and was tracking them and then everybody and his wife was out there shooting at you. Yeah, fire. yeah. And, uh, so did, that was not yeah. did
1: you train to you know like if you got shot down what you do when you hit the ground do you bring a pistol in the yeah we do have we you? have a pistol
3: yeah, yeah as a matter of fact a lot of guys we had a thirty eight that we used to carry around all the time and and uh, the, but that was the issued weapon and uh, most guys had gone with automatic weapons that they bought from cells okay and uh, we, but that was your weapon and and you you know could defend yourself as well as you could with that but the big thing is if you're if you're flying around in an area where the the ground your marines are there on the ground, you didn't have to worry about it. they they'd come and get you. Yeah, I mean, they're going they're going to come and get you fast. You know? it, the the helicopters you were, and the ground people. You, know?
2: you were allowed to if you were like ah, I don't like this gun you guys gave me. I'm going to go mm-hmm. down here and buy a new one and
3: um, bring it with you. In just, reality, yes, you could do that, but I mean they weren't you weren't supposed to do it. Oh, okay. but yes. And the only thing is they didn't want you, you – know, their uh, argument was they didn't want a lot of different kind of ammunition floating around. They yeah. wanted just the standard ammunition.
1: So um, I asked this earlier, and it kind of sounds like a joke, but not, but but now I'm kind of being serious. Have you ever thought about how many people, how many enemy combatants you've killed? No. Because that's fucking crazy to think that, you know, that it could be
3: in Thousands. the hundreds. Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, you, like, you make Jeffrey Dahmer look like a bitch. Uh, <laughs> except uh, <laughs> well
3: no they're not they're, they're the enemy they're, yeah they're, yeah you know, and you're, you're and, 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 like i told you before there's no nothing to consider they're right my marines are being shot at by yeah. these assholes so yeah no i do also get that, it i'm you you just a neurotic just so
1: think
2: about so, so when you were flying on a, on a mission did ever were you ever like man if i just went and did something a little bit different like they want me to bomb here but i'm gonna I think I should bomb over here. Yeah, what's you the time the that you went against or Do you have the ability to make that call, or is it you better go here? Yeah, this, what you're supposed
3: this to is uh, rules of engagement, and uh, rules of engagement are, you know, that you couldn't uh, attack anybody, and they changed daily. You know, you couldn't attack anybody with a blue hat on. You know, but not really. You, you couldn't, <clears throat> you couldn't attack anybody who didn't wasn't shooting at you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we interpreted that to mean well if the helicopter guy says hey they are taking fire from over here then they're shooting at you you know so that was you know that was one of the things and and then just the idea that um um i know a couple of times we had this neo this deal where they had a radar controller would take over the airplane the airplane would be under a radar control and it would fly over at high altitude and drop bombs and they would figure out where they were going to hit and all this kind of stuff. But they would do this uh, all right, you'd, you'd be sitting up there and you'd just be flying headings and this sort of things and you'd drop the bombs.
0: Knowing what you know, I mean, you are you have extensive experience, what is your, how do you feel about what's going on now with like drone programs?
3: I got to say, I I would not like to be any, have anything to do with drones and women pilots you know I, I i gotta say it i uh you know i got out before there were any female aviators and i just <laughs> what i'm just happy that i didn't have to put up with that oh that's great i, got I out gotta and, say and, and, i gotta say that what a really in, in, in you know you
1: try to get away from your wife and then they put her in <laughs> right. the fucking cockpit <laughs> right. with you. <him>. jesus <laughs> well that the
3: uh the the deal was that uh when I came back... I, I, I haven't I, heard any
0: just that's straight like fuck you misogynism like <laughs> I, that in a while. I, <laughs> you
3: haven't seen me in a while. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, I, no, I love women. I think they're wonderful. And, Let me qualify yeah, this. But, you know, I do love, women. but not, not. I don't want to. I don't. You don't think there's to, any
0: any you know, room for a female to no, to fly? No. Oh, what they're fucking crying! I <laughs> don't call in their husbands. and shit. <laughs> You. I, I, I <laughs> like
3: the idea was even yeah.
0: now, you, like, because yeah. how many, there's got to be a higher percentage now, right? I'm sure there is. Yeah.
3: Like they may even have them in the Marine Corps. I don't yeah, know. That, making, how how about, the Marine Corps their feet sandwiches. for a long time. Jesus. <laughs> how
1: about this? Um, there's a thing with the Russians um, that, and they're always small stories. They never make big um, headlines or whatever, but it kind of blows me away that uh, they're kind of doing these provocations where they buzz our aircraft carriers or our. Are guys flying like I mean they'll take a, whatever their MiG mm-hmm. F-16 is and they fly like I mean clo- close close mm-hmm. right I hear about it I what do you hear heard. about or, I, I mean what do you think that is or what do you think you know as a guy who's been in the plane who knows what that does to other people is that as I don't know. It sounds so like fucking close to an act of war. I yeah guess. is
0: it a, is it just a disrespectful
3: thing? Is yeah, that, that's it. It's just being yeah. showing showing them your ass. Yeah, yeah, showing
0: them your ass. For the record, I brought up drones, and then you went anti woman just well, for the heads okay. up. Well, okay. <laughs> no, it's two things. It's that both got a whole of brain. I just I am curious about the drones, though. Like, is do you, do you feel like they're I mean, obviously, they're able to, you know, the, the accuracy or what. Does there need because to be a
3: human element to it, or? No, I, you know, I don't know I, what to, what to think about it. I, I, I know that there will always be fighter pilots, and always be air-to-air combat, and I, you know, I want to see that. I, I don't want to see, I want to see humans doing that, not drones. That's, I mean, yeah. What do like, you?
1: Um, so to me, the Vietnam War feels. I don't really want to use the word brutal, but, you know, there's something about a war where, um, you know, at least, and of, of course I've experienced this through um, movies, <laughs> through like Tom Cruise <laughs> or whatever. Call yeah. Of duty. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, but did you guys feel a big difference between the guys, like, you know, the guys walking in the jungle, the grunts, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just seems like the worst kind of fucking war to have to be in where you could be the greatest um, soldier, but some... Dude could pop up out of nowhere and that's clip right. you. That's right. And, and it's just like that's not the most highly trained. R- right. You could do right. everything right, yeah, and, and somebody
3: could still take it. Now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever feel resentment from those guys toward you? Like, oh, you're up in the fucking. Oh okay. you know. yeah, they gave you a ration, and, shit and
3: sure. We give <laughs> them. A, we
0: gave them a ration and shit. You know, right. Listen, but, well, because you got, you're also fucking saving the day a lot of the times. A lot of times
3: they loved us. Like yeah. you, you look in Korea uh, when the. Uh, Chesty Puller and uh, a bunch were up on the. There's Chocan a person named Reservoir. Chesty
0: Puller. Yeah, you Russ know. Meyer movie. Chesty Puller? No. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Where have, no no. have you guys been? I mean, uh, oh, the other you dude our, you mentioned from Do guy, the Right Stuff, or that guy's a real treat. Guy
3: yeah, won four, four <laughs> Navy Crosses. Chesty okay? Puller, huh? five. I'm sorry, five Navy Crosses. He started out in uh, Santa Domingo, and back in the 20s, and uh, up through World War II. And Korea, and he was in the Chosen Reservoir with uh, uh, A.P. Smith, who was uh, actually saved the lives of uh, I don't know ten thousand, twelve, thirteen thousand Marines and by getting them the hell out of there. They fought their way out. The Chinese were all the way all around them. Anyway, Puller was asked. So he says, "Well, what do you think now? That you got all these damn Chinese. All they're all behind us. They're all over the places. That's good. We got them where we want them." These are like proper old school dudes. He yeah. was
0: his he, name he, is Chesty Puller. Chesty Puller. <laughs> chesty How Puller. do you not know Chesty Puller? Yeah, not a lot
3: of, <laughs> not not a of chesty walking around. He looks up at on a baby the internet. and says, <laughs> Look him up on the internet. He's a he's a character. What when was, I gotta I gotta tell you my real character, a guy I actually knew who was a just a hell of a guy. He was a uh, guy named uh Warzeniac. Warziniac So his name's Wozniak and he's in the Marine Corps. So, what do you think his nickname is? Was well, ski. ski? Now, there's no goddamn Ski in Wozniak. No, right? there isn't. There's no Ski in him. No, it. he's Polish, that's why they call him Ski. <laughs> but he, he, I mean, he won. He was in. Uh, Fourteen years old, he joined the Marines in World War II and got into that's what a I Battle loved of, about
0: the fifties. Yeah, you the, could just be like the, faking the ba- documents. Yeah, and too young to jack to get off. Get away with you shit. know, for real. This guy,
3: this guy was in Okinawa at fourteen years old. <laughs> I think he got a Okinawa you know, <laughs> <laughs> at fourteen <laughs> years old. <laughs> he, 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 Battle of Okinawa, hell of right. horrendous. And he thought a female <laughs> pilot was bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's got 14 yeah, he's yeah old. He's Fourteen year old boy. He doesn't have hair on his balls, but yeah, but he's got. I mean, this guy looked like he was 35 when he was 14. You know, oh, right. type of thing. but he uh, he uh, won. A, I think he got a silver star or something there, and By 16. maybe got wounded, and uh, and then he was in Korea. He was a sergeant this time, and he is in in the Korean War. He wins two, count them two, not one but two Navy crosses. Okay. Navy Cross is one step below the Congressional Medal of Honor, and typically in the Marine Corps, if if you are in action and they decorate you, and you're alive, you get the Navy Cross. If you were dead, then you'd get the Congressional Medal of Honor. Pretty much the way they thought, you know. Yeah. But he won two Navy Crosses, one right after the other, and they made him uh, gave him a battlefield commission, and he in after the second one. Sent him back to Quantico to train the Marine uh, what got, it, officer candidates. What
0: is a battlefield commission?
3: Means that he's an enlisted man, and it's they say the we're going to make you an officer now, <laughs> you know, yeah. for because of this action and the things you've done. Anyway, so he gets a battlefield commission, and he uh, he goes back, he's out back with these troopers, uh, these young. Uh, officer candidates and he's got them out they're out snooping and pooping in the woods out there and he (laughs) these terms are just fucking so good (laughs) he's following them out you know and he's going around checking their packs and making sure they're Got their eyes and ass wired together, you know. And so so Snoopin and pooping. You know? Yeah. Snoopin' and pooping. Anyway. I, I just want to interrupt just for a second and say
1: we haven't written down this many terms since we podcasted with a, a, a crip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about <laughs> like to. like young black gang members okay. and then you. I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about <laughs> to use all these in conversation. Absolutely. I'm snoopin' and pooping. Snoopin' and pooping <laughs> anyway. Yeah, snoopin' and pooping baby. <laughs> so,
3: Zinniak goes up to this young kid, and this young Marine is standing there, and he's got this little baby bird that had fallen out of a tree. And and he's got this baby bird in his hand. Zinniak looks at him, and he says, What's that? He says, It's a bird, sir. He goes, Takes it in his hand, looks at it, and says, (laughs) like that oh, <laughs> throws, throws it down on the grasses you don't need no fucking bird <laughs> oh, woman
1: would have let that bird live oh, my Jesus God. Christ I, I thank God there's no gangs that are divided <laughs> by age <laughs> Because the old guys <laughs> can just fucking smash oh us. God. I think right. I think millennials are pussies. I hate to think how oh, they look at me.
2: Now I get why everybody says back in my day.
1: Yeah.
0: Things were better. Well, old, so old, I, I'm curious though, why to cross it? Like what specifically did he Navy do? Cro-
3: he, he did went after his troops. His troops were under fire. He went out and were wounded and uh, he went out and... So they've got him back to their own places and took care of them. Gotcha. And he got so this wounded. wasn't a pilot. We got wounded. No, he's a ground pilot. Yeah, he gotcha. Hell of a guy. He was a, It was the uh, provost marshal of Okinawa in my last tour over there. He was, a, he was a colonel at the time. He was a, just a hell of a guy and he uh, good guy. But he's always coming up with this crazy shit. And there must be a million Rosinac stories in the Marine Corps. But he was he was a funny guy, and tougher than nails. And anyway that the, the two navy crosses were one for that what was it for
1: you um you know the whole coming back from vietnam experience then because you know you you know yeah right i uh, i was in
3: california when i got back the first time and uh, i i remember that uh there were derogatory comments that i could hear from young younger people and then uh i had heard stories that guys were you know in uniform, were getting spat up on, you know. You did hear that ahead of time, so you're. Yeah, to I knew it. Up. I knew it. And I was, you know, I thought, oh boy, well, go ahead. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah.
0: How old were you when you came back?
3: uh From the first tour, I was probably 30. Oh, so you're an adult? No, no. 26 or 7, something like that.
1: Barely an adult. I mean, actually, in his era, probably full fucking adult. That's like a 40-year-old now. When I was
3: a kid growing up, what you really wanted to do more than anything else was not be a fucking kid. You wanted to be an adult and be treated like an adult. And when you got to be 21 or 18 or 21, you got to be the age of a man, you wanted to be a man. And first thing you did was you got the hell away from home and and you lived on your own. And, uh,
1: what do you think about transgender bathrooms? <laughs> <laughs> Tran- transgender? No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's just it's uh, it's like a novelty to sit with a man. <laughs> I really like that's
2: what
3: I'm realizing. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: So you, you were in California away from the parents. Yeah. Sorry. Came home
3: first tour. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just saying that you know that I. You know, it was hostile, you know, so yeah. people were hostile. Was there any difference? Nobody bought you a drink, you know, at the bar or anything like that. How'd that, that?
1: make uh, you feel for real? Like, you know, yeah, I get I, you have that, defense up off. and kind of piss yes, you it off. It really
3: pissed me off, and I, uh, you know, I, I had a feeling that it um, can't be everybody can't be like this. It's, this is just something that's just transient. It's yeah, real people aren't like this, you know. But those real people are the people who are now the college professors, and they're the uh, they're the uh, congressmen, and they're the uh, you know sure. that same group is now in charge of things. Thank God I'll be dead in a couple of years and I don't have to worry about this shit anymore. I'll drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> was, was there
2: any difference in...
3: Don't go away with that shitty no. feeling. You're going to be missed. Right? <laughs> was
2: there any difference coming home the first time compared to the second time or was it pretty much the same, same response? Same kind of stuff.
3: Uh, it was not good either time. Not good. Uh, but, but basically, I didn't give a damn. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't care what they thought. Screw them really
1: i mean that didn't hurt you in some way as someone who who truly oh no, it you did fucking, yes it yeah.
3: did i see what you're saying yeah, yeah it did it bothered me that there were people like that you know yeah that that that, that, that this was the new generation that people were going to be like this you know i and i kept thinking jesus it's going to pass i mean this is not going to happen but i said the same thing about rock and roll right? i've thought <laughs> <I helped myself laughs> what part, are you what are you listening it's to these days the corporal you know what right what's that said that stuff's been around since christ was a corporal,
1: yeah yeah Kevin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write that one down too please. <laughs> is a corporal. what what wow um how did that i don't know change how you acted i mean do you feel like that set you or changed you in your life you know just i mean you gave a lot you know to that, and I'm sure losing friends that had to be a super personal thing I, I mean was was there a time that you ever lashed out or act you know when you're back in oh your yeah home? i did
3: a lot of that with drinking and raising hell i mean i we don't have time for all the stories but i mean sure shit, when i came back and i went to training command after the first tour down in kingsville texas and i became the what they call a jk and i uh, uh standardization officer which was the last phases which was air to ground air to air gunnery and uh And uh, air-air combat, so that's what I I was in charge of that for that squadron, training squadron, and uh, I, no, I I had a great time when I went through flight school. We had a guy, a couple of guys, Marines. Now it's typical bullshit. These two guys, this is no shit. These two instructors, their names were listen. Hondo Frain was one guy. The other guy was not Gus, but Gus Gus Brewer. Gus, Gus Brewer. And they were a couple of, you know, bar dudes, you know. And they were always in the bar after the flight stuff was over. And, they, and uh, they would drink the Flaming Hookers. You've heard of Flaming Hookers. You know what that is? No. A brandy in a small glass. Glass is about maybe that tall, and the glass is about that big around, you know, it's real small. And what you do is you light the brandy, and you get a flame on it, and you drink it. And when you come down, you want to have the flame still there, you know. So that was the big deal of the flame. It's called the flaming hook. And uh, uh, so they had a few of these, you know. It was getting late in the evening, and so Gus, Gus says, "Give me one of them wine glasses over there." So he takes this wine glass, and it wasn't a great big one like they have now, but it was a good sized wine glass. Fill that sucker up. I mean, fill it up with brandy. He lights the damn thing. Gets it all going real hot like that, you know. Takes it in and he goes. <laughs> and it goes all over his face, <laughs> all over his head. And he's on fire. The guy's hair is on fire. And his buddy Hondo was saying, oh, shit, let me help you, you know. And he's taking this coat off. He's going to put the fire. out. Know? <laughs> And the guy burns all his hair off; his skin I mean, just, just roasted his head, you know? and, and uh, he couldn't fly for about a month because he's uh, he had a he, you know, he couldn't wear a mask because he was burned. You know, and uh, they were really pissed at that. they got they put him in hack for I think, about two months. And that means you can't go anywhere but to work and mess all back to your room, and that's it. You know, you're basically confined to your quarters.
1: Right. How do you view the vietnam war now like i mean you know
3: do you view it fondly oh, looking back do you remember, yeah 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 oh, looking back no, I, I would say uh gee that's uh you no know, i just i had a good time i enjoyed what i did and i like i liked the people i had a lot of good friends i mean we had, we had we don't have time for all the stories we had millions of goddamn crazy things that went on and one night the VC came in and threw, were throwing, chucking bombs in the tailpipes of the airplanes and you know, they got, they got two airplanes. I think they destroyed two airplanes before the guards shot them up. So I immediately went out and got a burp gun. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> um, it's a World War Two type thirty uh, five well, no, caliber like... machine gun, handheld okay. 45 caliber machine gun. And I learned to shoot the damn thing and it was, well, not real accurate for any distance, but it was deadly pretty close.
1: Just because you felt like they you know, they got on your base. A, yeah, and it's yeah. A,
3: yeah. I didn't want anybody coming up, you know, cutting my throat in the middle of the night.
1: You know. we, uh, we got to get our listener yeah, questions ahead. before it's too late. Yeah, we've we'll, uh, yeah.
2: we'll, we got a bunch of them, so we'll burn through these quick. Okay. Um, we'll just jump right in. So Justin Dux wants to know how many times you use the phrase, let me show you something I learned back in Nom. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn anything enough. I already, <laughs> already knew it all. By uh, the time I got over there. Twice on me. <laughs>
2: we've, we've got Nicole Olson um, wants to know um, if you got any care packages while you were overseas, and if you did, what was the best thing you received, and was there anything that you kind of held on to throughout the duration of the war?
3: That's a good
1: floor? question. Nicole, sexy What makes.
3: was the... Did you ever get, did you get anything care, for packages? care packages from my family? From yeah, from my yeah. wife. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She sent me a Christmas tree at Christmas time. She sent me a bunch of.
1: Oh, Okay. Was there so, anything like she sent you a Christmas tree?
3: Yeah, a little, you know, a little. Sure. Sent sure. the whole plastic, plastic, whole fur. But was there anything that you actually? Did you have like remember? a picture
2: yeah. hanging in your like your plane or something like that, like in the yeah. instrument panel or anything? Yeah. Have you
3: ever no. cried? He has never cried. No, uh, um, just, uh, did you uh, ever just, get a piece of you, mail? Not and, like, since my mother used to beat the <laughs> hell out of me, <laughs> okay. and, and, then, and then, we, then I cried so she'd stop. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so then we have uh, Melissa Jean that wants to know: Would you ever return to Vietnam to go on vacation?
1: Great question. Not really. No, it
3: no. doesn't. You no, know, I don't really want to go back to the Far East. I spent eight years in the forest. Yeah. I don't want to go back over there. Would
1: you feel unwelcome? Like, you know, in your heart of hearts, kind of?
3: Oh, I'm sure I would, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would feel unwelcome. Huh? Um, and then... And I probably would be.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like-
3: <laughs> Remember
0: me? I used to bomb this shit. Right, right. right.
2: <laughs> so then we have Aaron Seward wants to know if you have any, like, Medical ailments or conditions due to any chemical exposure of dealing
3: with some of the weapons that you were firing, whether it was like the napalm or, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a few problems. I got a heart problem, and I got uh, diabetes, and I've got uh, neuropathy in my feet and Mm shit like that. But, I, you know, I don't blame it on anything. I I think it's just, you know, being an old fart. How about
1: napalm in general? Is that I guess I'm. I'm, I'm not even sure. Is,
3: it's a strange thing about it. A lot of people think napalm burns everybody. else. Yeah, They get burned. You do. You can be burned with it, of course. But what it basically does is, and like when you're in troops and things, they're down in foxholes and things. It's not so much the fire that gets them as the well. The heat is there, of course, but it's the evacuation of oxygen and they. Ah. Oh. They,
1: because it sucks. The, yeah, it, it, essentially t- it sucks t- it the air out of the air. The okay.
3: Oxygen, and so you can't.
1: Was there it. ever a weapon that you didn't like using, or did you know, like you know, ethically speaking, or anything like that, where you went, eh, that's a little brutal, no, or no? No, uh,
3: no. Uh, I didn't like shooting rockets sometimes because a bastard would go out.
1: <laughs> oh really? You know,
3: and you'd say, well, great, you know. Right. No thanks. And, did yeah.
1: you ever get to do the movie thing where, like, there's a guy. <laughs> like running in a field and you have your machine guns or it's going <laughs> <laughs> like you know yep yeah <laughs> that's awesome really
2: yep and when, and when you're shooting at people or dropping bombs are you, is it like the movies as well where they're like wooing at each other yeah is it, it a big rush when you like, hit the yeah.
1: target like you go like well you know like scream in your cockpit and.
2: yeah what's your demeanor like in
3: the cockpit uh, take that you rotten little son of a bitch no I <laughs> no I never did anything. I never
1: Really? Like, I mean, you never I don't said I don't remember like, I mean, doing you that. You never hooped
3: and hollered a little bit? I don't know. I
2: just didn't. Oh, and Justin ducks again. Want to know, how accurate are some of the Vietnam movies that we see? And if, is there any that you um, have saw that is your favorite? Or is there any that are, like, that's a complete fabrication of what happened over there?
1: Mm. I he hates those fucking movies. <laughs>
3: no. Uh, what was the one... Uh, Full metal jacket, or something like that. Wasn't <laughs> a, that wasn't a bad uh, movie, was it? Do you remember oh, that? Wasn't was there a that, movie I like that? Yes, that was a movie. That was a good, awesome. yeah. Arlie Ermey. Was he in that Yep, yep, Arlie Ermey. One of my a favorite. He was what? He was a a D.I., drill instructor. I think he was a drill instructor. Yeah, no, he was. He
1: was the advisor on that movie, and he got pulled in because he was doing it better than the actor. Did you know Arlie Ermey, or did you see him? No, I didn't. I'm a big fan, so yeah.
3: He's all
2: right. He's a good guy. And then, where's the last one here? Uh, Maria Cruza Ponte-Veliz wants to know about the prostitutes over in Vietnam. Were there (laughs) a lot of them, and that she heard sex was going on everywhere in Vietnam? uh and not necessarily not necessarily <laughs> not necessarily your experience with prostitutes but were there when you went did you in, see a did lot, you lot of it gone. You know, was lot it of, was
3: not uh, there where we were both times it, it just wasn't there I mean yeah. you know you you could probably uh take off out of the uh, the base at night with somebody your buddy or something go out somewhere and find prostitutes. But it would be dangerous. I mean, how do yeah. you know they're not VC and you're going to cut your goddamn throat? Uh, or, you take the risk. Or rest. something even worse.
2: You know? and, yeah. and so when, so like you have like Chesty, Slick, Warziniac, give all these badass guys, you guys are all here fighting yeah. and, and taking care of business, protecting the country. But like, what's the biggest pair of tits you saw in <laughs> Vietnam? <laughs> not, <laughs> not, no, I didn't. <laughs> like, I have to worry. Yeah,
3: really, there was nobody. They, the, uh, <laughs> USO shows came over, you know. The, the and Margaret. And Margaret, yeah. The, I'm with Bob you, I Bob biggest Hope. tits. And Margaret. Mm-hmm. What's your f- th- there was no, um, uh, you know, I'll fraternization with the the, actually, yeah, it. It so. was scary. <laughs> it was really scary to do even think about doing so. I mean, going out and. Uh, the only time me. you could get away was just to get out at night somehow. Yeah. And then, man, you're on your own out there and. In uh, Gooner country, you know, you don't want to do that.
1: And that was the episode. Huh, that was good. Um, Make sure you follow our social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook particularly, um, Twitter to a lesser extent, but also... um, (laughs) Just just because we we have, uh, for season two in the run-up, we're going to, you know, our plan is to be dropping some clips and, you know, bonus content all over the place, so... So uh, stay with us, and uh, you're going to love season two. Thank you. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.